It is important to remember that a worldview is comprehensive. It affects every area of life, from money to morality, from politics to art. True Christianity is more than a set of ideas to use at church. Christianity, as taught in the Bible, is itself a worldview. The Bible never distinguishes between a religious, quote-unquote, and a, quote-unquote, secular life. The Christian life is the only life there is. Jesus proclaimed himself the way, the truth, and the life, and in doing so became our worldview. I love how he wrote that. The Bible never distinguishes between a religious and secular life, but our world does. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the root of what we're trying to cover here is where are we being kind of sold a bill of goods when it comes to marriage, when it comes to family, when it comes to the Christian life or just life as a as a human being. Mm. And our goal with this episode is to, I think, given the times that we're in, uh, there's been a lot of uh, unrest. Why? Why is there such division? Okay, very complex questions, but we really want to get down to the root of authority and worldview based on an authority. And we're going to do that by defining clearly what worldview is, what Christian worldview is, and contrasting that with some secular worldviews. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will give us tools then and clear tools for dealing with hard issues as a married couple. Is mm-hmm. all that accurate? Yep. Okay. And do it, going through it productively, but also rooted in Christ in Christ, and on God's word. All right? All right. So it's going to be a good episode. Selena has done an incredible rundown, and we will see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. So a caveat at the beginning, there, these, there's going to be a lot of jump off points for you and your spouse to go deeper. The more that I, mm. Ryan and I, it, this whole episode again comes from our own conversations in daily life, prevalent themes that we see coming out of the woodwork when we're talking about struggles yeah. that we might be having within our marriage, our ideas, our philosophies. We are two human beings. Although we were two as one, we still struggle with beliefs and how they play out in our marriage right. and in our, our familial life. So there will be a lot of probably unanswered questions. There will be points for you and opportunities for you and your spouse to jump off of and to start mm-hmm. learning and digging deep on your own together. Um, because we need to answer this question yeah. of what is a worldview? Do you have one? Yes, we all have a worldview, whether we admit it or not. What is it? Do you and your spouse share the same worldview? Do you have a Christian worldview? And you may say yes, but would, before you say yes... I would caution you because there are beliefs I think that we subscribe to, we have as Christians that are not actually Christian. And those are the things that we want to start uprooting and highlighting mm. um, because there are some very, very gray areas. But before we do that, thank you to our patrons yeah. and supporters because we could not do this without you. We have hit a major goal of, you said 300 patrons? Yeah. Yeah. We hit 300 patrons. It's amazing. Uh, Praise God. Yes, and I think it's timely because as we're talking through the, this idea of worldviews, mm. namely Christian worldview, and we'll talk about ways that it is – I mean, come on. I mean, if, if you're alive and breathing and your head's not buried in the, in the <laughs> ground, you'll know that Christian values are no longer uh, really valued in our not culture. Not accepted, not wanted. <laughs> and so things like you know, talking uh, about marriage and family from a Christian Jesus. biblical worldview <laughs> – 
<laughs> not super popular. Yeah. So if uh, if you're passionate about this and you're passionate about seeing God's vision, God's view, God's design for marriage, God's design for family, God's design for uh, children, God's having kids, God's design for you know how all that interfaces with reality as we know it, then you can partner with us because that's our mission. Our mission is to continue uh, kind of heralding the gospel mm-hmm. in the space of marriage and family mm-hmm. until God says no more. We're going to keep doing that. And kind of one of the recurring themes in my personal quiet time has been mm-hmm. at any cost, Christ. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I want more of Jesus at any cost, but I also will follow and obey him mm-hmm. at any cost. And obviously that uh, me is translates into our family and so by partnering with us you are um basically taking that stand and saying at any cost christ we're going to stay true and faithful to god's word to following jesus to submitting ourselves to his authority to the authority of scripture regardless of what it costs us mm. so if you want to do that go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage we actually pray about it if god leads you to then you would act on um, his leadership to supporting uh, us patreon.com slash fierce marriage um, God has been so faithful to this point, and we're thankful to all our patrons. Yes. Maybe you could join us. Some- yes. So we are going to jump around in this uh, rundown I got here, right? So try to keep up. Oh, baby. I'll okay. Buckle in. Buckle in. Buckle up. We are talking about a Christian worldview. You can also use the word biblical because I believe they are one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you believe. I see. Oh, yes. You're Do such I a ever. bigot. <laughs> you have absolute truth, apparently. Absolute truth. It's the problem with <laughs> all the other worldviews. So, <laughs> anyways, we are talking about that biblical Christian worldview because there are competing worldviews, which we are going, going to talk about as well, because I don't, th- I think that understanding the competing mm. worldviews helps us understand our worldview and the place that it holds. Not only that, but we're called to understand why we believe what we believe. Absolutely, okay? it's not that we just guys that you're listening to this because you're in a, you're Christian probably, and you're probably married or headed that way, or you care about Christian marriage. So mm. we're kind of preaching to the choir in this sense. But I just want to get, I just want to just to call out the elephant in the room. We didn't just pluck this worldview, and you as listeners didn't just pluck this worldview out of thin air and say, this is the one that I'm going to stake my, my eternity on, right? <laughs> right? So, right. Okay, we believe in a God that calls his people, mm. his own, unto him. And his his call is irrefutable in that we, it's, we are compelled to place our faith in Jesus Christ and that he will enable us then to persevere in that faith, and it will be a, 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 a eternal faith mm. right it'll be eternal an eternal reality that we live in because of god's grace with that said we also believe in in the historical accuracy and the sustainability of the truths that we claim to be true and that mm. even for somebody who doesn't want to believe in the truths of the bible they can if they're looking at it with an objective eye they can look at scripture and say there's something unique here and it's something profound. And if they are willing, they could go, it's, there's something supernatural here mm. and that this is, these are the words of God and they can be the authority in our lives. So we're joking about being kind of bigoted about like, Hey, this is, this is the truth. And, but reality is, is if we believe it, then we kind of have to say that. Is that okay? Yes. Yes. I was just reading the scripture you put here in first Peter three, knowing, you yeah. know, yep. three, 13 through 60. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Hmm. This is what we are talking about in terms of worldviews clashing. Do you have one? Do you and your spouse share the same one? And then how does that radiate? If you do, how does that radiate out from your family unit, right? right. And if it, yeah. if you don't hold the same view, how can you work towards having this Christian worldview? Yeah. Because it is important. It is, it is okay. kind of all of the Christian life, right? Okay. So defining um, what a worldview is, is how you see the world. I think we talked about that. Uh, do you and your spouse have the same worldview? Kind of rhetorical. If you think about conversations around politics, education, pandemics, the government, the roles of all those things, can you and your spouse even talk about any of those things? Um, mm. Are they things that you can ignore or you choose to ignore? <laughs> Should mm. you ignore? Because you're afraid of, you know, the confrontation that might happen. Um, or do you just bury yourself in distraction? Because there's just different ways I think we we deal with it and we should not there yeah. are there are ways as christians that we are supposed to be dealing with it and that is through having um a christian worldview seeing the world uh through christ and we're talking worldview really is about authority whose authority are we coming under yeah. um because the bible is authoritative we talk about how our constantly on fierce marriage how do our behaviors inform our actions, right? How do our beliefs? Beliefs. Inform I'm sorry. Beliefs yeah. inform our behaviors. We talked about love last week. How does how does our understanding and belief of love, how it is biblically defined, bear weight on how we treat each other, how right. we love each other? How does that break down into how we make meals for each other? You definitely got to listen to that one. That was a good fight that we had. It's a nuance that a little bit. We talked about love in terms of desire mm. and affection and how love is a choice and affection is oftentimes the outcome of that choice and desire mm. is something that is informed by the Holy Spirit. So yeah. anyway, go listen to that if you missed it. But um, yeah, I, I do want to brush over these real fast because we're going to define the Christian worldview. Yeah. But we're also going to talk through maybe some of these other five worldviews that we might, I think we tend to in our culture take bits and pieces of these. And some of these are really prevalent now. The other one that's named that we're going to reference is the Islamic worldview. It's not super popular where we are it's popular in other parts of the of the world um the, and that's that's a different can of worms uh but the, it is per, i think if it's a big part of another part of the world it's gonna affect us it does for sure eventually or at some point it does point. for sure but in maybe not in ways pervasive. that are not explicitly islamic yes. in ways that are more rooted in other worldviews so right. and i don't know if we said this before but you and i have conversations daily about the world and <laughs> i just want to make this clear that and hopefully it is that again we did not just pluck this out of thin air this is an outpouring of the things that we've right. been struggling through going to the word reading through it digesting it yeah. all but every worldview christian or non deals with yeah three main questions okay but i want to mention these we're going to go through these i'm not going to do it now but Islamic worldview, the secular humanism, the marxist worldview or the um, and the cosmic humanist worldview and postmodern Yes. Postmodernism. Yep. And probably you've heard some of those terms being thrown mm -hmm. around or seen them online, and maybe you don't necessarily know what they mean, but hopefully we'll be able to unpack that a little bit for you. Um, because even reading through some of those descriptions, I was like, oh, I, I think I might have believed a little bit of that. Now I know that that's not true or why that's not true. 
um, or why I shouldn't be, or there could be hints in agreement with those movements. They're hints that have been true, but they're not, uh, but they're applied in a way that's untrue. Yes. So every worldview, Christian or non, deals with these three main questions of where did we come from and why are we here? So that's the first one. Second one, what is wrong with the world? Third one, how can we fix it? So if we're coming from a Christian worldview, we're saying, where did we come from? God created us, right, in his image. Why are we here to glorify him? What's wrong with the world? We we sinned and broke our mm-hmm. relationship with disobedience with God. This is all in Genesis. How do we make it right? And how do we don't actually. How um, is it made right? That's God a, himself has redeemed the world yep. through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, in Genesis and Luke, the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. And will and will one day restore creation to its former perfect date, Isaiah 65. Um, so a Christian worldview leads us to believe in moral absolutes, though that's a, just a buzzword. That's that's the thing that basically debunks all the other uh, worldviews, uh, miracles, human dignity, and the possibility of redemption. Um, and there, there's a lot of things to be had for your marriage if you are unified uh, around the Christian worldview. Uh, because I feel like you, Ryan, have encouraged me in areas where I feel unclear about how to view the world and how to live in it uh, in a way that is reflecting Christ the most. Um, so it's also having a, a unified worldview around a Christian worldview has helped anchor our hope, I think, yeah. in God uh, as the world continues to feel tumultuous. Um, yep. It's It's been that, that fierce, t- that fuel for that fierce tenacity of like never giving up on each other, never yeah. giving in to um, anything outside of God's words. So just to kind of paint that picture. I think it's helpful to refine our scope or at least re rearticulate it for this. Okay. So we're talking about marriage. We're talking about family, talking about how we deal with external externalities that mm-hmm. would impose themselves into around our dinner table. Right. Yes. So now we're talking about, we were, we were out, we were on vacation last week. Mm-hmm. We recorded two episodes. And so the episode dropped while we were actually um, on vacation with, with your mom, some really big conversations came up with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're conversations that you and I have had, but they were worldview conversations. Yeah. They're more about how you how you see reality than about you know the weather. Right. So my mom's a believer and Christian, and mm-hmm. our kids just started asking questions, and you unapologetically started answering the question. And they were sensitive. We won't get into what the questions were, but they were sensitive for reasons in our family that uh, we haven't yet discussed. They're dinner but, table conversations, yes. and they literally were happen- happening around the dinner table. You and know, kids ask really awkward questions <laughs> at awkward times. They definitely did that. I came over and I was like, I don't have the, I don't have the gumption for this right now. Can you please go take over? And he, because he's just like unapologetically let's go dive into this scripture and the inerrancy of scripture and what it means for this and i'm like yes go babe you are never hotter than you are right now (laughs) okay yeah i'm I'm glad that you could say that uh the point that i'm trying to make is the scope of this is to say okay we are we are a married couple and we are we have recognized that christ is the authority in our lives that scripture is the authority in our lives how do we live that out when it's not clear Yes. How do we live that out when everything I'm seeing in the news is telling me to care about A, B, and C when Scripture says that A, B, and C maybe aren't in that order? Or or maybe I shouldn't care about those things in that way, or I should care about those things in a biblically informed way. Yes. And here, here are the, the, the details of what that looks right. like. So, and Selena, this came up, this, this idea for this episode came up when we were talking, having one of those conversations, <laughs> and you said, we should talk about that, how to hash through hard things complex 
worldview questions as right. a couple. So that's right. why we're talking about well, it today. Well, and as Christians, how does this affect me as a believer, not as a wife or not as a white male or not as a... You're a white male now? No, you, I'm saying, because you were asking the question, because you were saying, how does... I'm not asking these questions. I, how does this affect us as believers on our day-to-day? Because I think there was some sort of... Oh, there was an article that was talking about surveillance and all of that. And yes, so, that's right. and so you were saying, not how does this affect me as, Panopticon as an American, as, <laughs> you know, this financial status or as a white male or as whatever, but how does this affect me as a human, like, image bearer of God? Okay. I'm going to re- I'm going to re-say what you said just in different ways so that I can paint the fuller picture. <laughs> I, we, we were reading an article together. It was on, on the Atlantic in, in the Atlantic, their website. And it's, it says the panopticon is already here. Right. right. And what the pan, I think it's panopticon. Let me see here. Panopticon. I'm going to look it up in real time, ladies and gentlemen. I think it was panoptic. Panopticon. Okay. Uh, and the article was the panopticon is already here. And the panopticon is, I'm going to read from Wikipedia just for clarity. <laughs> it's a type of institutional building and a system of control designed by the English philosopher and social theorist, Jeremy Bentham. Bentham, uh, basically as a way of being able to watch all the inmates in a prison all at once, one person watching them. And the idea was that if everybody thought they were all being watched, even though physically it was impossible, okay, it was impossible for them to all be observed simultaneously, but none of them knew that. So they all thought they were being observed, Mm. and so they would all behave in a certain way. And so it's a philosophical kind of approach to a problem, namely the prison issue back when this was written. And so the article is all about how China has developed is developing this technology to basically surveil their people, and it creates all this fear when you're reading about it. Cause you're like, well, what they're is taking it? over what's the that, world. And what's does, that movie that has that saying you are going to commit a crime? We we the oh yeah, Minority Report. <laughs> Minority Report, <laughs> that oldie. And so it's like, well, I wasn't going to, but your all these like signals said and told our you know our artificial intelligence that you were and so they're, they're working on technology in china that yes. can read different you know biometrics and things and things. have all the information about your history of how you've traveled so i'm all sure this kind of you stuff, can imagine and then they can make conclusions about <laughs> yes. what you're going to do and they can basically profile you in a very high resolution way and then persecute incarcerate do whatever they want right. and they're already doing it to a segment of the islamic population in china right because they're not friendly to the state so selena's reading this thing and I'm like, I can't close, sleep now. Close all the Amazon accounts, take off all the facial identity, like close all the things that could, that anybody could access about us, right? I'm just like not, re- trying not to respond in fear, right? Trying to rest in my Christian worldview that God is sovereign. None of this is out of his control. No, 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 no. You, and so we started jumping, talking about these You're jumping the things. fence again because you, you, in the same breath, you said, we need to erase all the pictures of us on the internet. And you're like, they're already out there. <laughs> They're safe somewhere. It's going to do no good. And you're like, throw your hands up. And like, what do I do? And I, and I said... It's me processing through I my said, Christian worldview. And we're driving. So I said to you... How does I, this... I get this article yeah. can raise concerns for various reasons. And not to, it's not to be discarded. But I, I struggle with how this is supposed to affect me, given the fact that I'm a Christian called to be a disciple, to be a discipler, and to make disciples of all nations mm. in the name of Jesus. Well, how does that affect me? Ooh. And so how does it affect my day-to-day? How does it affect how we raise our kids? How does it affect how we're married? How does it affect how I do my work? Well, right now, it, it doesn't. It could. And so you want to be 
It I could, think the that's government where could say you can't homeschool your kids. I you can't think that's where the them. fear was coming from of what of what could potentially be right. because I saw so many things that I hadn't seen before, which have probably been there for twenty years, right? And but I'm seeing that, and so I'm de- wrestling with these emotions and feelings of okay maybe we need to leave the country, you know, or something like, <laughs> not really. But saying, yeah, I'm sure homeschool is going to be more regulated, especially with this quote unquote, you know, the pandemic and doing school and all that. But anyway, so you started asking the question of how does this, yeah, bear weight on our day to day, which is. And so when, well, that's where the topic came up. It's like, we should, we need to we talk, talk about through this how, because, what it's like to hash through these hard questions. Yeah. Together. As a yeah. couple, we, we, we don't do this very well. I can't think of a better word, but we just don't do it very well because we're too emotionally invested or we're too fearful, right? Which, again, we're dealing with those emotions. But we're going to talk about a few of the other competing worldviews that have actually influenced Christians um, that even mm-hmm. I think some of us have, have said, put a little finger in and said, yep, I believe that. I agree with right. that. And we may not understand where it's rooted in, what it's rooted in and the insidiousness of it and how we may need to be questioning some of the things that we are following or liking mm-hmm. or agreeing with. Yeah. So. Good. Okay. Well. Are you going with your article or my article? I, think, <laughs> I guess we're going to go with yours. Uh, let's just kind of spitball here. Ladies and gentlemen, these are huge <laughs> topics. So we're going to hash through them in kind of in real time. You can also read books, listeners. You can also learn more. Know your and Bible, people. <laughs> the important thing is, and I think that's a great caveat, is that we will never know I don't think you can know all the things there is to know about how to refute every wrong faith, every wrong worldview, every wrong doctrine, every wrong whatever. What we can do as Christians is we can know our Bible Mm. and we can know the God of the Bible and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can be filled with hope and we can be filled with confidence in what the Bible says and we can use that to bolster whatever arguments we're trying Mm. to make. But the bottom line is that we have to just put our full faith and trust in the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the big Ah, sigh of relief <laughs> caveat in all this and, and, and trusting, okay, and standing on shoulders of men and women who've gone before yes. us who have validated and validated the, the text itself, the, the, the biblical scholars, the, the literary critics that have validated the text itself, the doctrine. God is sovereign, people. The, and is. the theologians who have articulated these ideas and helped us. And so we can stand on their shoulders yes. in good faith yes. without being lazy, yep. but in trusting that they, they are brothers and sisters of the church universal right yeah so that is i think is a good segue into a way of kind of seeing worldviews um in that okay the biblical worldview is you have an abs you have a truth claim and you have typically there's some sort of sacred text okay so and it's true for even people that would balk at the word sacred okay so for for christians our truth claim is that the Bible's true and the Bible is our sacred text and it's authoritative and it's the revealed special revelation of God and it is the answer to all these big questions, okay? That's what you just got done articulating. The five other worldviews, as we mentioned earlier, we'll go through them briefly now. Uh, Islam is another worldview that is very uh, prevalent, not so much in Western society, although it's more and more prevalent. It's, it's growing. Um, the Islamic worldview uh it says there's an estimated 1.3 billion followers of Islam at the time this article was read. It's not just a religion, it's a complete way of life. So it's all-encompassing, all-embracing for those who would embrace it as such. Right. Okay, there are nominal Muslims as well, but their their sacred text is the Quran, and their uh, their deity is is Allah. Right. right? It's all-embracing, so, yeah, social, political, and legal system mm-hmm. that breeds a worldview 
peculiar to itself. Yeah. Um, and so that, we're not going to spend a lot of time there because it's not as relevant for our audience, I don't think, because it hasn't really, yeah. the, as you mentioned, <clears throat> Islamic's become, it, the Islamic worldview is becoming more prevalent in the West, although I wouldn't say the ideologies and the philosophies of the Islamic worldview are really saturating our culture. Um, more so, secular humanism. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just to have a clear uh, definition, secular humanism, okay, uh, it's... A philosophy that really embraces human reason and secular ethics. And what secular means is that it's just, it's not from it's some God. supernatural yeah. means. Without religion. It's without God, without religion, without supernatural intervention. So the, a secular humanist is somebody who says, I don't believe in God. I don't have to believe in God. Not only that, but I don't have to, I don't need God to have a moral, good, fulfilling life. Okay. Mm, yeah. And their sacred text, I would argue, it's probably it's probably a canon of works, <laughs> but I would say Darwin's uh, Origin of the Species is probably one of the the more sacred texts, right? Because it to me it, to them it proves uh, that this worldview holds water, um, because it proves how things came to be, or that it posits a theory that is compelling enough for them to say, ah, I can believe that. So, and the ultimate authority you talk about sacred text, the ultimate authority of a secular humanist is the self. Right. It's my own intellect. It's my own ability to reason, my own rationale that tells me if something's true or untrue. And so for anyone who wants to oppose my worldview, they need to prove to me that what they're positing is more true than what I already know to be true. Well, and isn't it not just they have to they have to show you not just in a spiritual sense. They have to show you like naturally, scientifically, like without. Is that this one? Yeah, yeah, they they, they want are, proof. Like the scientific method is yeah. is king, right? So you have to be able to prove materially. Yes, that something exists. The problem is, is that like <laughs> some of these questions here, aren't but... scientific, right? And so they're outside the purview of science. Uh, like prove love exists. Like prove that scientifically. You can't prove that. You can't even really prove that you exist. You have all kinds of the philosophers. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Descartes, right? I, I think, therefore, I am. He right. was the ultimate kind of uh, a skeptic, is mm-hmm. what he, is what he was. So, skepticism is like nothing actually exists because it's like everything's just a perception, and perception is just formed in my own mind, and I can't truly prove that anything exists. You can doubt everything. So, secular humanism, um, it 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 says that without the self, without ra- rational thinking, it really doesn't have anything. Right. It says that although many secular humanists are atheists, they generally have a high view of reason. Yep. So. Yeah. So that's secular humanism. And how that's kind of worked itself into our our marriage is you have a lot of husbands. I'm just going to pick on husbands a little bit who really do buy into this idea that my mind, my rationale, my ability to argue is the end all for me to for me to be convinced of anything. What that does is it kind of sears our minds. It sears our conscience. It sears um are we're not vulnerable with one another in a hmm. way that I'm allowing my wife then to speak into my heart in a way that's going to change my mind because she'll have to prove it to me. Hmm. And what happens is you get you get a, a husband who's really good at arguing or who's really good at rational thinking, who's hmm. really good at logic. And, <laughs> and the wife get, who's emotional. <laughs> well, and who is also a logical, rational being. Yeah. But she's okay. not, but there's... It could go either way. It could be husbands versus wives. It could be wives yeah, versus husbands. Yeah, one spouse is typically 
And what happens is it ends up kind of breaking down conversation because the authority is ultimately not recognized, meaning that, well, you say this is true, but I don't believe you're true, or you're just so mean that I don't want to believe you're true, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and if you're going to argue all the time, I'm just not going to bring it up. Like mm. We're just going to figure out how to operate without it. So the whole peacekeeping versus peacemaking piece. Mm. All right. So to help you remember, secular humanism is basically, secular means it's not uh, religion, not based in religion at all. Uh, and then humanism is basically that humans are the end-all, be-all of authority. Right. And this subscribes to the secular religious divide, which Christianity would say is not existent. So so one, not to beat a dead horse, but one way this really plays out in modern marriage is if someone's having a hard time in their marriage and they go to friends and friends will say, well, you deserve to be happy. Mm, okay. And so you, and based on that, so marriage, presumption alone adversaries your marriage is unhappy therefore yeah. you can break it off and be justified in doing mm. that why because you're the authority and you deserve to be happy mm. we're not saying stay in an abusive marriage and we're not saying yeah that's not the context that's not what we're trying to say but we're saying that we that's how it kind of materializes yes. or it could be coming from yourself saying you're not making me happy so i, I, I no longer love you mm. right mm -hmm. in the family context having kids uh, we okay. We ask ourselves. <laughs> There's many things to choose from. Just we kidding. ask ourselves, when is right for us to have kids? Well, when can we afford it, and when is it? Mm. Instead of asking God what He thinks, mm. or seeing children through a biblical lens, we see children through a worldly lens, which is basically so they're a commodity. Yeah. So guilty. They're in addition to my lifestyle. They're not little souls to be stewarded toward God. Instead, they're, I'm just adding to my resume of right. life, which right. is now I've had kids. And mm. when's, when's the best, easiest, most expedient time to do that? Mm. These are all rooted in secular humor. We're asking the world what they think instead of what God, what he thinks. The mm. authority is me, not so what scripture says. So good. What's the next one? Oh. Again, you guys, you can read more and more on this. There are I think it's really good for us to be it. defining these terms, though, because they are being thrown out. And I feel like we cannot ignore them. As Christians, we need to be familiar and understand them because... We need to be able to, again, like we said at the beginning of this episode, draw those lines, mm. separate, right? This is truth. This is what right. God's word says. This is the authority. This is how it bears weight in these situations when we feel like responding yeah. from a secular humanist worldview, right? We may not call it that in our mind, but let's call it what it is. Yeah. And let's have the truth, the light, God, Jesus lead us in those situations. Yeah, another really clear one before we move into the Marxist You're one. so full of examples. That's why I love you, because I am I tend to dwell in the philosophical. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, okay, but what is an example of that? I don't know. Just all the examples. Uh, yeah, people that are proponents <laughs> of pornography, okay, they exist. Yes. People that think pornography is somehow helpful to humanity mm. will say that, oh, it's no one is being forced, which we know that's a lie. And they say it doesn't hurt people because it's just between a guy and his computer or a girl and, his, and her computer. Uh, and it's at will entertainment with a sexual twist. That's basically what they'll say. Well, that morality is completely rooted in something other than God's word, mm. which tells us clearly not to lust. Not only is science refuting the benefits of, there is no benefit to pornography. It's completely de detrimental from the inside of a person's soul all the way to the outskirts of society. It mm -hmm. is, it is poison. It is toxic. But somebody who wants to justify it will ascribe to a, sec a secular humanist worldview in this regard mm -hmm. and say it doesn't help anyone. It's pr I'm, I'm a pragmatist, meaning that it it is it's okay because for pragmatic reasons. Mm. Um, 
And that that's just a clear example. And a lot of husbands that are maybe seared toward that, or a lot of wives that are seared toward that, will justify it using those that those arguments of that nature. That are rooted in that worldview. Right. Absolutely. Right. They're rooted in that worldview. Okay. So we talked a, a bit about the Islamic worldview, the secular humanist worldview, which tends to be one of the biggest, I feel like, gray areas and, you know, smoke trying to come over into the Christian worldview and really saturate it. But the Marxist worldview, you and I have been talking about this for yeah. quite a while, actually. Years, I'd say. <laughs> you have been uh, talking about it. So we're seeing a prevalence. Um, Don't let that word scare you otherwise, either, because I hear it and I'm like, ooh. The reason why we're defining these things is because we can get caught on our heels because we're not academics. Um, I'm saying we as Christians, people listening to this. And so we want to give you a kind of some ways to like bookmark what these things are. Mm -hmm. Marxism is, um, I'm just going to read actually a definition from uh, an author. His name is David Nobel. Nobel? Um, Noble, I'll say. Uh, and I, I think he, he articulates it well. He says, according to Karl Marx, the key problem with capitalism so Marxism is a worldview that is rooted in an opposition to capitalism, okay? The key problem with capitalism um, is uh, is that it breeds exploitation. Therefore, capitalism must be replaced with a more humane economic system, one that abolishes free markets, parentheses, private property and the free and peaceful exchange of goods and services, and replaces it with a government-controlled economy. Socialism? Yeah, socialism. So Marx, Marxism is a, is a form of socialism, uh, and it is at its it is the root of communism. So the the sacred text, okay, in this worldview is the Marxist uh, the Communist Manifesto, which was written by Karl Marx, mm -hmm. and the authority is the government. In mm -hmm. other words, uh, the government will come in and solve all my problems. You say, what's wrong with society? Exploitation and and pain and hunger and education overwork and, and education, lack of education or whatever, healthcare and all that kind of stuff. Who's the savior? A big brother. Okay, to use an Orwellian term, uh, to, the the government is the savior, they, mm. and so that's why. It, and if you argue about this politically, here's here's my biggest bone with this, and I, we don't take sides politically on this podcast. We tend to be the silent majority on all yeah, things political. People are talking about spouses are talking to spouses about this right. stuff, so we're going to so bring it to the conversation. The question is always like, who is the savior in this? In like the government's not our savior, and if you think this election is going to fix anything. I, I'm sorry to be the one to break the news, but it's not going to break. It's not going to fix. The, it's not going to meet our expectations us. in terms of what we want fixed. Well, whatever side of the coin you find yourself on. Yeah. The point is, is that the government is not our savior mm. and they are not the ones biblically speaking. They're not responsible for providing for us. They're not responsible for caring for the church has the church is the mandated institution for some of these societal. You ills. said this, and maybe this is a good spot to intervene. The three, um, structures the three f structures i guess you said of hmm. that god has ordained there's there's the state oh, the church and the institutions yeah institutions the state the the family church and state family yeah. church and state yeah yeah and what we see uh, again deconstructing you said structure so i'll use deconstruction <laughs> each the one of those is being is, deconstructed yeah uh, through various means too, primarily right the government yeah and so what what's happening is america Okay, since that's where we're at, we'll talk about that. And most of Western society is basically capitalist, basically de democratic or a republic. And you got you have a whole swath of the population is saying that capitalism is evil and democracy essentially essentially is evil, and we need we need uh, reform, wide scale reform. And so anyway, we'll leave it there. the The Marxist worldview is the basic problem that I see with it, and I, I think would 
as it con- as we contrast it against the Christian worldview is that it views um, humans. Uh, it's it's a humanist worldview. It, humans are the are the source of our salvation, mm-hmm. and that salvation comes in the form of a government that you know the government that basically owns everything right because marxism would abolish all private and property, you could yeah. look at history for what happens when guys yeah <laughs> marxist and look communist at russia and social. venezuela china yeah i mean uh man we i we love our country well we i love guess america i guess okay it's not perfect it's but not. i feel like it's a really good it's 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 been a pretty good run well and we see i think we see people calling for marxist values at the lower end of society wouldn't you say that's true that there's the poor i would say that the poor if you don't have a lot of money you're going to go somewhere you're going to want help more than maybe somebody who doesn't have as many resources that essentially is what marxism is all about is turning the oppressed in to be brash, to turning the oppressed into the oppressor and flipping that pyramid over because you have a whole class, the bourgeoisie, you have the whole class of oppressed who want to overthrow the ruling class. Right. And then they promise utopia. If we just overthrow and nobody owns everything and then the government owns everything, well, all it does is just turn the pyramid upside down right. and now you have a different ruling class. Right. And a different... So how does this look in marriage? How does... How does- <laughs> <laughs> Darn me, it. Here let we me go. ask you this. <laughs> what does this look like in uh, marriage conversations? Because uh, well, if we're, yeah. I think if we're pursuing certain things, <laughs> I right? Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just know that if, if you're having arguments and some of these things are coming up, maybe this will help you realign that argument with the biblical worldview. I'm not saying that capitalism is somehow this like God ordained right. human form of government. We're not saying that, but we are saying that we need to remind ourselves that that our Savior is not in a form of government Mm. or in a form of economic exchange. There it is. So we'll leave the political science to the political scientists. (laughs) For a married couple, just that's why we have – this is why worldview matters, what I'm saying. And that's, I think, where it comes back around to it. because. You may not say, you're a Marxist to your spouse. (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) You might say that to them, but – the bottom line is that doesn't matter what you say unless you ascribe to the same authority right. and that are authority we, has to be scripture. And are we as a couple saying, okay, who are we going to for help in this situation? Who are we looking to mm. support us? Yeah. Right? Who are we looking to be our resource for our goods? Our, like, who's going to provide? Who's our provider here? Who are we oh, looking yeah. to? And that yeah. that where are we putting our, our faith, our means, our hope? Like, we, if we're looking to the government, then yeah. we would probably fall under the Marxist worldview in some areas. Again, yeah. that that there's very nuanced. Yes, and then that's one of those terms. Please don't be offended. That term Marxism is thrown around so haphazardly nowadays yeah. that it's become offensive. It's no longer means what it actually means. It means what I don't words, like you. What words do? I mean, really, so, we're, we that's why we're defining our terms. That. We have to define our terms. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. So, so we have two more to get through real quick. The yeah. cosmic humanist um, or new age worldview. I think most of us would probably know, be familiar with the new age movement. Yeah. Um, um, as a Christian, I think it's more obvious the differences in worldview. Well, no, because you have different. I, you said well, secular humanism is working its way into the church more. I feel like it I is. I think cosmic humanism is more because really? you have kind of a semblance of spirituality without the actual spirituality. Okay. You have a savior, which again is in yourself. 
is if you would just reach a level of enlightenment mm. and level of ascent, of ascent, okay, then you could have salvation. Or even we see this out even if you pray a certain way, uh-huh. right? You're a Christian, yeah. If you pray, that would be more of like a legalism, okay. But the, the I idea feel like there's of a certain light. there is a light within me, and there is a light within the universe. And if I am only able to tap into that light, it'll shine brighter and I will be enlightened and I will reach the spiritual plane that I so long for. And that is embodied in things like peace, harmony, uh, you know, (laughs) Zen. Yes. And so it says, no, it says it's the ultimate uh, religion of self. Like whatever you decide is right for you is what's uh right. As long as you don't get narrow minded and exclusive about it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yep. That's that's it. So, uh, yeah, again, anything that I like how he said it again, this is David Noble, um, David Noble. Yeah, Noble. Um, he said <laughs> his name is spelled weird. And it is. It's N-O-E-B-E-L. So anything that's right, what's right for you is right for you. And, and so we see that. That's what a researcher said. In that, that we see that attitude yes. around um, morality, especially meaning like you said uh, or people will say, this is my truth. This is my reality. This mm. is my, mm-hmm. like, hey, if it works for you, whatever. It's this idea that they have, there's a story. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I think I probably have. There's a story of uh, a bunch of blind guys, right? And they're all, uh, f- there's a big elephant in the middle of the room. And they're all feeling the, the elephant, trying to identify what it is. And one one has his hand <laughs> on the... visual. <laughs> right. They're just feeling... It. One has his hand on the, the elephant's ears, and he's feeling it. And he's saying, oh, this is leathery. So uh, this, must be a, this must be a cow. This is a cow, right? And they're all blind. They can't see it. And then another, another one's feeling around the back end, and, <laughs> and it's, it, feel, it feels the hind leg, and it's this rough skin. It's, oh, this is rough, like the bark of a tree. So I must be feeling the, the, the trunk of a large, mighty tree. And another one feels feels the fur on the tail and says, "Oh, I'm touching the fur. This must be the the you know the hair of of a, of a woman, right? So surely this is a woman in this room." And another one touches the ivy, uh, ivory, and you know, and is feeling the smooth coolness of of the ivory and is saying, "Oh, this must be uh, I don't know something cool and small, smooth and cool." And so the point of it is, is that everybody who has a truth claim is saying that I'm, I'm feeling this and this is what reality is. Like this mm. is a tree trunk and this is a leather thing. But the thing is with this type of worldview that says there's no absolutes is really the, they're making an absolute claim because they're saying, I know it's an elephant. No one else does. And the reality is this is an elephant and all the blind people in the world are just feeling parts of the elephant. <laughs> and I know because I'm enlightened that everything goes. It's whatever you say it is. There's many paths to enlightenment. Mm. It's whatever you say it is. So just don't call it anything, you know, so you see right, how that the right. irony there. Well, yeah. And I wanted to, I wanted to question you too, though, because we talk about in our book about the light, right? And being transparent and God mm. being light within us. Yeah. And you were just talking about how the light is no, within. No, I did not say that. I know, but us. I just. Oh, just now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the book, we didn't say that. <laughs> no. Um, but how would you, I guess I just want to be clear and draw that line for our listeners of what does the light look like in us and how is that different than enlightenment? Right? Yeah, well, for the best answer, I want to go to John 1. Um, so this is John the Baptist, and he says, uh, let's see, let's see, light. Where is that? In that, Yeah, so John, I love this passage. I always think of it around Easter time. So 
we don't have a light within us, but rather God, God is the light and he shines his light into our hearts, illuminating the darkness of it. And then mm. his light is in purifying. And we walk in the light as he is in the light. We are, we have purification from sin. We have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So he is the light. We yeah. are merely observers and conveyors of the light. And John says this, or in, in John uh, chapter one, verse five, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness is not overcome. He's talking about Christ. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that it might, that all might believe through him. Here it is. He was not the light, but Mm. came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Of course, that's Jesus again. So to answer your question is to make that distinction. Cosmic humanism says, again, humanism mm. is focused on me as a person. Cosmic meaning it's it's not secular, but it's more spiritually this is, inclined. Sorry, this verse is just this. It's insane because whenever we're talking about is we're putting this thing through the gospel, the filter lens, you and me as a husband and wife, hearing a message, experiencing somebody saying something, some sort of encounter. We are saying, are they making much of Christ or are they making much of themselves? Hmm. He was not the light. But the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Mm. So that, I feel like, is one of those big factors that if you have a question, if you and your husband, your spouse, right, are are dealing with some hard question of how to respond, do we wear a mask, do we not wear a mask, do we, like, you know, go to church or not go to church, or all these things, like, what is this, what are these things making much of? What is the message that we're hearing? I'm sorry, I use the mask thing. Don't go, just come back to me, people. Come back to me. <laughs> what are the beliefs that you're wrestling with that are, are they making much of Christ or are they not? Are they yeah. saying, look to yourself to be the light or are they saying, look to Jesus to be the light? He is the only light. So, right. sorry, that verse just mm-hmm. illuminated that, pun intended, way more. Uh, I think, thank you, God, for your scripture and your word. This is why we know his word. All right, so the last one. Yeah, so that was cosmic humanism, uh, postmodern worldview. We've talked about this one probably the most. Yes, Um, postmodern. It's so hard to nail down what it means. Even for, even for when you Google it, like, the the definitions and the no, there's def- no clear definition. There's no clear definition, which is which so is funny so frustrating. because that's pretty much what postmodernism is. Yeah, it's <laughs> and here's my definition of it: is that everything, nothing means anything. <laughs> that's my definition of postmodernism. Nothing means anything, and anything can mean anything. Yep. Let's just read what they said too, because I think that it says it also that way. Yeah. So J.P. Moreland notes that postmodernism refers to a philosophical approach primarily in the area of epistemology, or what counts as knowledge or truth. Okay, that's what a, the study of Knowledge and truth is epistemology. Broadly speaking, Moreland says, postmodernism represents a form of cultural relativism about such things as truth, reality, reason, values, linguistic meaning, the self, and other notions. So again, we see self being exalted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the whole postmodern worldview is, if I'm seeking to answer questions, the big worldview questions, where did I come from? Mm. Okay. Postmodernism completely would deconstruct what does the mean where? What is the meaning of the word where? And what do you mean come from? Would you come from some, you know, they would basically start by deconstructing the terms themselves, but then also um, deconstructing the idea of self and the idea of, 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 of um, consciousness. De- so they de- deconstruct and then redefine? Is that oh, it's part accurate? Of it. That's part of it. We see a lot of redefinition right now. In mm. fact, um, I won't get into the words because <laughs> they're too inflammatory, but words don't mean what, what they what mean. What they used to mean. 
Nope, they don't mean what they mean. You're right. So like, again, even, why we're defining terms? Again, okay. So here's one example that I feel like is pretty benign. Okay, is there a marriage example. Yes, people <laughs> will say that the Christian rate of divorce is the same as the secular rate of divorce. Hmm. Okay. My question is, how are they defining Christian? Because Christian, according to the Bible, means something different than probably the poll person meant when they wrote Christian, or the people what the people meant when they checked the box for Absolutely. Christian. Yes. So if you ask somebody, are you a Christian? And they say, yes. You say, what does that mean? Oh, well, it means I, I believe, believe in God. I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Of course. Jesus was a great guy. Do you believe he's your savior? Yeah, of course. Do you believe he was, he is God? I mean, he was a great guy. He was a great teacher. I don't know if he was God. You know, people will say that. And he's like, okay, well, he said that God's word is authoritative. He said that he was the word, <laughs> the word. He also said that he was, he is God. So how do you reconcile that? <laughs> Well, he was, you know, and so you see how it starts to crumble yes. quickly as soon as, as soon as the definition is not clear. Right. So, and so by Christian, okay, this is why I argue with that stat all the time. I do not think the Christian rate of divorce is the same as the world's because Christians are not the same as the world. So what the problem is, is that you've misdefined re- Christian yes. and people who are calling themselves Christians probably aren't according to God's right. word. That's a tragic reality, but that's, that's true. So anyway, Back to postmodernism, uh, it would redefine terms in a way that they, they lose their meaning or the meaning evolves to mean something more loaded than the original <laughs> term. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so five worldviews aside from Christianity, Islamic <laughs> worldview, secular humanism, Marxism, uh, the comic, cosmic humanism, and postmodernism. The point of going through all this, you guys, is not just to sound smart. Okay. First off, we're not that smart. We're not career apologists. I love apologetics because I feel like it's so fun to see how God's truth bears weight on every aspect of reality. I love that. And it's never let me down. Mm. Anytime I've pushed through a hard question, I've always found God there Mm -hmm. and I've always found confirmation of scripture there, which is where God has revealed himself. solid foundation. So we're we're hopefully helping you see these different and maybe seeing ways that they've permeated your marriage, permeated your conversation, permeated how you live your life. And here's the big fierce marriage (laughs) application piece how can you now have a conversation that is more biblically informed how can you disciple one another in a more faithful way instead of just throwing out words or assuming beliefs or applying them in a way that's counter biblical how can you do these things in more productive ways that yeah and we i don't think that as christians we can ignore these things any longer if we are distracting ourselves away i would i would question our commitment to the gospel. I we we have to know the Bible. We have to know yeah. what it says, why it's why it is authoritative, why mm. it is the total truth and yeah. not just a truth, yeah. and why a Christian worldview is the only worldview we should have and we can have as Tit- believers. Titus one nine. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message and as it, as it has been taught, mm. so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. And refute those who oppose it. So good. So if we don't have any doctrine, if our doctrine is unsound, hmm. uh, how are we going to refute those who oppose the truth that we've received? We can't. We can't. And I think yeah. as a couple, as an encouragement here, um, I want to just say that the more that you and I have dove into, dove, dive in, <laughs> the more we jump into all of this, all these terms and try to understand and unpack what is happening, 
how God's word, just making all of these connections. I would say, don't be afraid to dive into these hard things. Don't be afraid to look up definitions. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and to get into scripture and to talk to each other and say, well, the Bible says this, but I don't understand. What, what do you think? Or should we go to our pastor and ask them about this? Because I don't understand these things. There is, there is unity to be had. We talked about this, um, I believe earlier in this uh, episode, but there, there's, there's unity to be built together to have a solid stance and foundation yeah. for those times when you feel like you're, you might be questioned about your beliefs and the decisions that you're making. When we decided to home, home educate, lots of questions, lots of questions about our beliefs and these decisions. When you are not feeling hopeful, we can anchor our yeah. hope once again. It in, really has. Sorry, I'm jumping in. Okay. There really are a lot of applications. Think about. If you're, if you're deciding to have children, asking yourselves the question of when or mm. if, how have, uh, how have these worldviews influenced that, mm. that conversation that you're having? Mm-hmm. Um, I think even, go ahead. we had a very heated conversation about a year ago before all of all the stuff that's happened over the last five months around, um, around critical theory. And if you don't know that term, I'm sorry, I don't have time to get into it, but essentially critical theory is rooted in Marxism. It's based on this idea that a person's ultimate identity is in their group and every, every, uh, groups are divided into oppressors and and the oppressed and the oppressors, anything they do is meant to maintain their oppression and, and gain more power. It's, it's a, it's a toxic ideology. Yeah, it breaks down dialogue. But we, but we didn't have that term for it at the time. And so we were arguing about topics that were all around critical theory. Cause you had, you had been a part of a small group and they were reading through this book that it was rubbing you the wrong way, but you're also seeing some semblance of truth in it. And you're really wrestling with that. And then you showed me a video of somebody doing something. And I was like, this feels wrong to me. Something's wrong here. And you say, well, it's wrong, but is it, like, is it, should we like, you're thinking critically, you're asking good Guys, questions. We argued for about an hour straight at a least. A hard argument. And it wasn't like we were fighting. We were, we were having an intellectual battle. We were. <laughs> I was like, was... these are the truths. And you're like, I know, but these are the truths also. This is not yes. true. And we were, it was so good for our marriage and it was so good for our relationship to fight for those things and to fight together and to fight each other because as long, we'll be married 17 years in September and we still are human beings with individual consciences that have to reconcile we are sinners we are broken we have to reconcile ourselves we have to allow god's word and his grace to to overwhelm us so that we can learn what it means to reconcile our beliefs or our sin to him right we need to come to him and we need to reconcile with each other we need to figure out how to find agreement around God's word and authority on these hard issues that feel mm. hard, you know, his, his word. And we didn't resolve it that day. No, we it started the conversation. I basically got, I was on the hunt then I was trying <laughs> to find out what is going on here because something feels off. Yeah. This, this has, it, it's weird. Like something it has elements of truth and biblical truth. And they're under the, it was even at a co- Christian conference and there was mm-hmm. things that, that the issue things were happening and they're very complex issues. So you can't just gloss over everything all these... is a complex issue. If we're honest, and it's, it was around race and yeah. it was around gender mm-hmm. and it was around, this was before any of the stuff that happened. Yeah, I'd say uh, it was like two years year. ago. Cause I don't think I was even pregnant. So anyways, there's a lot of, but I love what you said about it's, it, brings unity because now that we've been through it not only do we have a better understanding of it but we were able to gospel each other yes verb gospel each other to remind each other of the big truths of god's word 
and in the big truth of the salvation we have in Christ and how that bears weight on the, even this argument that we're having. And then mm-hmm. we're able to have a sharpening each other. Mm-hmm. And now that we're kind of on the other side of it, I will say that we're, we're pretty much on the other side of that. We, mm. We're in agreement on okay, it. Yes. <laughs> now we have unity. Right. And now we have a deeper joy and a deeper connection and a deeper right. ministry. Yeah. And this is the big why we are called to make go forth, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. That is the Christian call. That is the great commission. Mm-hmm. Now we can do that more effectively. Right. We can make disciples of our children. We can make disciples of those in our community. We can make disciples of each other mm-hmm. because we were able to wrestle with big topics because we were equipped to an extent with yeah. some of the some of the tools we needed to dissect these things. God is faithful. In, he in light is of a faithful. Christian authority. Absolutely. So hopefully this episode was was elucidating for you and I mean enlightening in a way and hopefully you heard something that said yes, we need to go deeper in that or we need to talk about that or this has been permeating our thinking and our conversations. So again, we hope this has been edifying to there you. There are a lot of good solid biblically based resources out yeah. there to google in sort of search do a search engine on um, questions the gospel project had a ton of stuff there obviously got questions um we even looked at some barna studies uh that were kind of helpful and then um i think there was one other i think one. total truth would be a great recommendation too for i think i did say that but if you if you haven't picked up that book i would encourage you nancy piercy nancy piercy total truth there's another one that is finding truth um which is also i have not read it but i will uh but total truth is the one that i am reading liberating christian christianity from its cultural captivity and she is talking about how christian worldview having a biblical worldview how it affects every area i mean she's talking from staffers in dc to people that work in abortion clinics to how we've lost our children at the college age because they don't know how to refute and like stand up for their own faith and how christianity is good for people dealing with mental health issues i mean it's just all across the board all the questions that you would have she has just brought scripture and solid truth too so definitely check that book out give it a read it's it's a thick but it's a good one so um anyways we're going over speaking time. of thick episodes <laughs> thick things this <laughs> thick, is a, this thick is a episode. long one <laughs> so let me pray for us and uh we'll call it we've opened a lot of cans of worms let's let's uh enjoy those worms <laughs> yeah enjoy that um lord uh i thank you for um just your truth that we don't believe in a god that is uh that is timid who is afraid who is easily disproved but we mm. believe in a god who who is and was and will to come you are the alpha the omega you're the beginning and the end you are absolute truth and you mm. have revealed yourself to us through your word not only through the words on pages but through your son and you have given us yourself you have sacrificed yourself so that we might know you what a profound truth God, I thank you for that. I pray that that would, that truth would reign in our hearts. You would be our hope, even when our hope is unclear, mm. that we would still anchor ourselves in you and mm. we would trust you. Holy Spirit, help us. We can't do it without your help. Holy Spirit, we need you to make our hearts soft and to make us believe. Lord, we need your help. I pray for the couples listening to this, that you would bolster their faith, that they would feel strengthened in their unity, but strengthened more than anything in their hope and faith in you. And God, I pray that they would be lights into their world. They would make disciples of each other, disciples of their children, if they have them, and disciples of their neighbors, their friends, their family. I pray that you would just use them in their world, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Again, I want to remind you, um, worldview stuff's important, and we are committed to uh, communicating God's plan, idea, architecture, uh, everything about his vision for family and marriage 
we're committed to talking about that, but we need your help. So if you feel uh, compelled to partner with us, you can do that through patreon.com slash fierce marriage. We would be honored to, to have your, your arms there. So with all that said, this episode is in the can. Thank you for joining us once again. We will see you in about seven days. And until next time, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's a blessing. Take care.